You know, if there's one thing that all of us recognize is that suffering, pain, and evil are real. We may all disagree on the foundation in our culture of what that is, but I think all of us would agree on the reality of pain and suffering. Many of you in this room are reminded that you are experiencing that right now. Uh, you're experiencing the pain of loss as you're seeing our culture uh, being infected by this disease and, and how that has affected every aspect of our lives. Some of us are experiencing pain and suffering as, as we are dealing with the loss of our jobs or maybe even the loss of, of what some of us in our uh, families are experiencing, the loss of, of the senior year in high school as two of my daughters were about to graduate. Well, whatever you're experiencing, we all recognize that suffering is a real thing and death is a real thing. Tim Keller in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, says this, that suffering is everywhere, unavoidable, and its scope often overwhelms. If you spend one hour reading this book, more than five children throughout the world will have died from abuse and violence during this time. If you give an entire day to reading, more than 100 children will have died violently. Thousands and thousands of people have died with cancer and traffic accidents. And now we're seeing a new reality as we're looking at the pandemic that is happening with uh, all the coronavirus. And we see the hospital beds being filled. We see ventilators on people. The problems of the world are real. Suffering is real. And death is real. There are 1.5 million people that have been affected or infected by this disease. Over 100,000 deaths have been reported. And that number keeps growing. But you know, one of the saddest things about pain and suffering and death is not just experiencing that because that's all part of humanity, but to experiencing that in the context of being alone. Uh, two days ago, uh, New York Times had an article about a, uh, a group of elderly citizens, and their greatest fear was not death. But their greatest fear was dying alone. And this one woman, 89 years old, had plans for her death. She had uh, sort of uh, shared with her family members, this is the way I want to die, with all of her loved ones surrounding her as she was able to say goodbye to them. But one of the unique things about this disease has been that people are not dying in community. Now people are dying alone. As the article continues, it says this, as the quarantine wears on, Dr. Roca said, isolated elderly are especially prone for their fears, and it magnifies. In turn, it intensifies their loneliness and anxiety, which have severe health consequences. So not only are people dying, people are dying alone. And the question that, that we want to ask on this Easter is, does the resurrection of Jesus make a difference in death? But does it also make a difference in living our lives beyond this sense of isolation and loneliness? Well, I think as we wrestle through this question, as we've been focusing on this series called Life Worth Living, does the resurrection help us to live life better? Well, today we want to look at a passage of scripture that many of you are familiar with. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul writes this letter to a church that in many ways is a church like ours. They were struggling with different issues that were confronting their culture. 
There was division in the church. People were arguing about who had greater spiritual gifts. There was immorality in the church. And at the end of this book, in chapter 15, he expounds on what we would call the good news, the gospel. And he begins this. He says, now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel which I preached to you, which you have received, which you have taken to, by stand. By this gospel, you have been saved. If you hold firmly to the word that was preached to you. So what is the gospel? Well, he says in verse 3, For what I receive, I pass on to you of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the, gospel, uh, to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. The good news of the gospel is the resurrection, that Jesus rose from the dead. But the question is this, how does that make a difference with the pain and suffering and evil that we endure? How does that make a difference with the death that we experience or that we are seeing? Well, I want to point you to three things that I think this passage reminds us. And the first point is this. If Christ had not been raised, our life becomes a series of needless suffering, injustice, and evil. You think about this. If God does not exist, or Jesus did not come, and Jesus did not die, and Jesus did not raise from the dead, then what is suffering? Well, in some ways, what suffering is, is just sort of the random dice roll that we experience. It's this needless thing that just happens to us. Well, if you look at suffering in the Bible, we see that there are different examples in the Bible. For example, there's the ex uh, example of Job. His prayer in uh, Job 30, 20 to 31, he says this, I cry out to you, O God, but you do not answer. I stand up, but you look merely at me. You turn on me ruthlessly with the might of your hand. You attack me. You snatch me up and drive me from the wind. You toss me from the storm. I know you will bring me down to death, to a place appointed for all the living. Job is praying a real prayer. A prayer in which he is agonizing before God. He's saying, God, why am I experiencing this? It doesn't make any sense. See, when life is going well, we think life does make sense. When we have a good job, when we have a nice house, when we have our kids going to a good school, we think life is worth living because of all those things that we are experiencing. But what if all those things get taken away? For Job, he lost his family. He lost uh, his, his wealth. He lost everything. He even lost his dignity. And I think many of us pray this prayer. Oh God, where are you? See, I think, I think Job's sort of angst before God is, is our angst. When suffering comes, it helps us to see and helps us to clarify who God is in our lives. Is God some accessory that we carry, like a pendant on our necks? Or is God someone who is the very core of our identity? See, I think throughout the Bible, we see other people asking the same question. Why do we suffer? In Psalm 73, we see the, the psalm of Asaph as he is asking the question. He said, his faith almost slipped as he saw the prosperity of the wicked. I think many of us, when we see ourselves or when we see life from the wrong perspective, the foundation of our lives begin to disappear. So here's the thing. If Jesus did not come and Jesus did not die, 
and Jesus did not resurrect, then really there is no meaning to life. There's no meaning to our suffering. There's no meaning to our death. Then, then basically, the way we have to live our lives is the way our culture teaches us how to live our lives. Whoever dies with the most toys wins. Is that the kind of life that we want to live? A self-centered life? A life that is only about me? Well, one of the things that Jesus reminds us is that when he died, he did not die for himself. He died for you. He died for me. God's very essence is one of generosity, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But there's a second part that Paul mentions in this uh, book. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, if Christ had not been raised, then our faith is empty and it's meaningless. You know, This is the first Easter, I think, for all of us that we have not been able to gather together. It's it's an interesting thing, isn't it? That we are sitting in front of our televisions or our computers watching a worship service. There's something that is missing when we don't gather. We have to make do with what we have. But what Jesus is saying, or Paul's saying is this, that the thing that is missing in Christianity is Christ's resurrection. If that did not happen, that everything we're doing is foolishness. He says in verse 14, if Christ had not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses from God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him. In fact, the dead are not raised. If the dead are not raised, Christ had not been raised either. And then he says in verse 17, But if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. The thing that I think for many of us we yearn for is a sense of freedom. A sense of freedom from from the difficulties, the pain, and the suffering of our lives. And the cause of all those things is what the Bible defines as sin. If Christ did not die and resurrect, then The thing that holds us in bondage, we can never be free from. It's like being put in prison without any hope of being released. Because Jesus died and resurrected, we have the opportunity to be free. Free from the brokenness of our lives. You know, the reason that our message means something is not because we yell louder than everybody else. It's not because even the kindness that we demonstrate. The reason that our faith means something is because of who Jesus is and what he did. He resurrected to remind us that God is the supreme God of all things, including death. And that's what the resurrection is. If you think about the resurrection, our greatest fear is death. But the resurrection reminds us that God conquers death. But there's a last thing. Since Christ has risen, Paul says, suffering, pain, evil, death are conquered. He says in verse 50, I declare to you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor the perishable inherit the imperishable. And I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed 
In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised, and we will be imperishable, and we will be changed. And then he goes into song in verse 55. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the Bible reminds us? That we were made more than just living on this planet. That we are more than just flesh and blood. We are more than just this decaying body that we embody. That we have an imperishable heart, a soul, that is created in the image of God. And what the resurrection reminds us is that one day that we will, we will sort of unveil the imperishable, that we will inherit God's kingdom. And that's what the resurrection story is all about. As we all struggle with pain, suffering, death, mortality. As we get older, our bodies begin to fail us. Every Easter, I'm reminded that I'm not young anymore. And the older we get, the, real, the realization is that our bodies are wasting away, but there's something better. That while our bodies waste away, our hearts begin to enlarge. Our insides, our, our relationship with God begins to grow. No matter what happens physically, there's something more to this world. I think about a Christian dying alone. But you know what? For a Christian, we never die alone. Psalm 23 reminds us, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The great thing about a Christian experiencing death is that death is not the end. It's a transition. I remember many years ago, I heard a story of the chaplain uh, at the Senate, and he tells this story when uh, the U.S. Pearl Harbor was bombed, that he had to speak in chapel to these Navy cadets. And he was trying to wrestle with the fact that there were many American lives lost on that day. How could he communicate what death is? And in this sermon that he gave, he talks about a little boy who had a terminal disease, and this boy was, was, was dying, and he knew his, his life would be ending soon. So his mother would come and, and read him a story. And one day, the little boy asked the mom, Mom, what is death like? And the mom stood up, ran to the kitchen, and she began to cry, trying to explain to this little boy what death was. Finally, she got her composure back, and she came back, to the room and she sat down with the boy and she said this Johnny do you remember when you would play outside and you would be playing all day and you would be so tired that you would come into your bedroom and, and, and you would still be in your play clothes and you would lie there and then one day the next day you woke up and you had pajamas on and you were all washed up, and you were in your bed all tucked in. He says, Johnny, that's what death is like. That while you were sleeping, your father came in. He picked you up, changed your clothes, washed you up, and tucked you in. And when you woke up, you were a brand new person. 
The resurrection of Jesus reminds us that God takes the perishable, the things that are in decay, and gives us life, a new clothes. And here's the other thing. Because of the resurrection, it just doesn't mean that God just gives us an eternal life insurance. The resurrection also becomes the catalyst for us to do good to others. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, Paul doesn't conclude this sermon by just saying, let's celebrate the risen Christ. You know how he ends this particular chapter in 58? He says this, Therefore, my brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The resurrection reminds us that yes, there is suffering, but that we now become agents of God's work, that we stand firm in our faith, loving and helping those who are in pain and suffering. The beautiful thing about the gospel is that we become a conduit for the resurrection to not only transform us, but to transform all of us through the work of the gospel. So I want to encourage you this Easter that all the bad news that we are hearing is only a small fraction compared to the good news that we have. That the most important thing that we have is the realization that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that everlasting life is in a glorious new body in which we get to be in community with God and to all those that are following him together. Somebody once said, in heaven, we can do everything better. We can sing better. We could hear better sermons in heaven. We could have better Bible study in heaven. But there's only one thing that we can do on earth. And that's to share our faith with those who do not know the resurrection power. So I want to encourage you on this Easter. Yes, pain and suffering are real. But what's even more real is that God can resurrect us from our pain, suffering, and death.